Okay, everybody, welcome back to the It's Okay to Struggle podcast. We actually have changed the name. I don't know if anyone is updated, but it is now uh, Honest Conversation. So this is where we're at. Right now, I've got the two lovely boys from Zoop, Jerome and Connor. Say hi, guys. Hello, everyone. Hello. So I did a podcast with you guys on your podcast, what, three, four months ago? Yeah, November? We, we just when we came out to lockdown? Yeah. Yeah, so no, November, October. Um, we did it about BPD. Uh, it was really fun. So I thought I'd bring them on my mental health series for men. Um, it's number three at the moment. Before we get started, I'll do a little bit of a trigger warning, just letting you guys know that we will be talking about mental health sensitive topics such as depression, anxiety, suicide, anything of that that sort of caliber so if you're not comfortable listening to it just swipe off and watch spongebob or something something else (laughs) a bit more positive not that we won't have some laughs but it's good to it's good to listen to something a bit more fun sometimes um so introduce yourself guys how are we here today tell us a little bit about zoop who's one who wants to start yeah i'm jerome um with Connor, Nick and Todd, we started Zoop, which is a, I guess, a mental health initiative in which we're trying to impact mental health through particular ways of habit building, um, education and some programs and products that we're about to bring out in the new year. Um, but Zoop started a couple of years ago and then luckily our paths crossed over the last six months, Georgia. So um, yeah, we're really excited to be here. Um, and Zoop is a upcoming initiative that we're really, really excited about. So how did you guys come together as friends were you all schoolmates were you separate so there's five of you yeah uh, there's four of us four, sorry. Um, and we all met at uni so we're all physios we all went to Monash University um, and so I met Connor I remember this pretty distinctly this guy with this English accent and he's, ta- <laughs> he's talking to this girl and I'm like oh who is this guy <laughs> who is this absolute character uh, and I was like I don't think I'm gonna like this guy I don't think I like his Liverpool accent yeah seriously for first day no. he, was, he was a bit of a, a bit of a larrikin he like started dressing up in dresses before anyone else at uni what the hell and then I followed suit so I was like I think I gotta be friends with this guy yeah. Um, yeah, so we all went to uni together, we all graduated together um, and then, yeah, through lockdowns and the adversity of all that and getting to know each other's, you know, vulnerabilities and our stories, we decided to, to come out with a zoo. Yeah. So, Con, I remember chatting to you when we first met because we had a bit of a meet-up before I went on the Zoot podcast just to have a chat. I remember talking to you about your journey and I kind of asked about, like, why you guys started Zoot. Uh, did you want to talk a little bit about how that came to be and how your journey kind of impacted where you guys are today. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Zoop started in 2020 and I think we were in, you know, the midst of the pandemic and yeah. we'd, we'd really, um, we'd all been struggling in our own ways in, in a sense, but I don't think we really knew it. We weren't that well connected. We'd finished uni and we'd kind of gone through that typical stage of go to uni get your job, and you kind of just lose touch. Um, so you catch up once in a while for a beer. Um, and that was about it. So we weren't really seeing each other as mates too often. Um, and at the start of 2020 or towards the end of 2019, like my mental health had kind of taken a bit of a bit of a dive. I think Jerome just mentioned there, like through the first years of uni, I was like a bit of a bit of a larrikin. Like I wanted my main goal was to make everyone else laugh. Like that was what I was there for. 
Um, if I could just be that little bit of a, a, a bright light in a room or if I could make other people happy, that was my goal. Um, and kind of 2018, 19, I, I started to lose that. I started to lose the fact that I wanted to even be in social situations. I didn't really want to be around people and I isolated myself from everyone from uni and I kind of tried to make other friends outside of that so I could get away from it um and at the end of that 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 led me down to feeling this like kind of anxiety like it was like I had people like a ton of bricks on my chest just constantly so I'd had a breakup of four years I'd um my auntie who was one of my she was like a best friend had passed away and my parents are separated all in the space of kind of a year and my life had been well I always looked at it positively up until then I was invincible I was invincible once those things happened um and then I realized there was only only so much shit that I could put under a rug before it came off and then I just kind of snapped so much stuff that I hadn't spoken about and I thought I could just push away and push away and push away ended up coming back to bite me um and that led to you know, um, not going to work, couldn't get out of bed, um, couldn't contact friends, couldn't take phone calls, couldn't do anything. And it just basically led me down a path of thinking, well, if I can't be that bright light to other people that I've thought was my purpose and I thought that was who I was, I didn't know who I was anymore. And then I thought to myself, well, what's the point? Like, if I can't be that person, then I don't really want to be here. So um, I guess that led to a couple of moments of really um, suicidal thoughts and suicidal patterns and suicidal behaviours of wanting to basically end end it all. And that's where this guy um, came in and kind of, I don't, I don't use this lightly, but um, really saved me from that, from that deep and dark place to show me that there was a light and there was something to aim for. Um, and that's where Zoop kind of found itself. Yeah. So, so to go on to that, what did you notice about him? Yeah. Obviously that he was struggling and how did you go about it to say, because I feel like that's a pretty rare thing with males, especially to like notice your friend is struggling and be like, hey, like how do you even go about that? A lot of people don't know how to go about it. Yeah. To give some context. So before all of this Zoop stuff and so to give some timelines, I think you were going through it at around 2018 or so. And we were still close mates, like we'd see each other every so often, but not as close as probably we are today. Um, and this is before all of that Zoop stuff. So when we'd catch up and when we'd have our phone calls and when we'd go to the gym together and do stuff together, it was it was just so obvious that you weren't the same person that you were at uni and that bright light, as you said, that you were and someone that I could kind of rely on to be a spark in the room when we're at a party and, you know, talking with other people and we can take the piss out of each other. It wasn't all there and there was flashes of it but there was something that was amiss and I couldn't really pinpoint it until you started talking to me about you know your breakup and your aunt passing away and then your your parents divorce um and so during that time I I knew something was wrong but I as a a guy that hasn't had too many of those mental health uh, mental ill health issues nor a, a lot of my close friends you're nearly lost about what do you do, where do you turn to, how do you help? Because I know that I want to help. I know that I want to be there for you. So uh, the first thing that I tried to do throughout that time, this is before Zoop, was just call you and be there. I remember that we would go to the gym together and as much as possible I would just be around um, and make sure that I was available. And then when we would talk about it, 
it was just me being quiet and which is an odd thing for me. I like talking, <laughs> but um, it, it was a, just a means of just being a listener. And I found out pretty quickly that perhaps I'm lucky because I, I deal with patients as a physio that when someone is talking to you about their issues, you don't have to solve them and you don't need mm-hmm. to be the person that, you know, joins all the dots together and gives them all the logic about how to feel and what to feel and what to do. You don't necessarily need to do that. You just you just have to be there and listen and, you know, make sure that they're heard and make sure that they're seen. And so I took that same idea with, with UConn and everyone that has had issues in the past just to be a listener. Um, so I remember we had some conversations in which you were talking about some of the struggles that you were going through. I remember I tried to make light of my own issues as well and try to empathise and then I'd come away from those conversations being like, Jerome, you're talking about the dumbest shit right now. Like, <laughs> and Connor's like having a tough time. Why are you talking about your work and your troubles? Like, you know, I was just trying to empathise with you. But at the end of the day, I, I think as soon as we realised that things were amiss and you were going through a pretty rough patch, that we just wanted to be there for you and, and do everything possible just to be make sure that you felt seen and heard. But it wasn't just you, though. I think our entire group was going through it at around yeah. that time. Yeah. It's like existential crisis all over the place yeah. for all of our groups of friends. Yeah. And so I think it started to galvanise us as some of our other best mates started going through some stuff about their own relationships and what they're doing in the future. Um, and so I think we all just came together and we just wanted to listen. And then by the time the lockdown hit and COVID hit, we are all really, really going through it. And then that really started Zoop, I think. But yeah. So did you guys have – who started the conversation about – possibly creating something yeah sure yeah so was, look, it, was it you was it you or was it one of the other boys um it starts with me and connor yeah. it goes like this so whenever the first lockdown hit i don't know 2019 maybe this is before zoop really became zoop yeah, yeah. so yeah when was it was 2020 the first 2020, year 2020 yeah it was yeah, 2020 2020 yeah. oh yeah 2020 yeah, yeah. there you go yeah so yeah. i'm not going to tell your side of this story but i'll just tell my side so before zoop was what it is today um, I had a phone call from Connor uh, and he'd had a really, really rough time. Uh, what I heard over the phone was that you were drinking a lot, smoking heaps, stopped running, stopped meditating. Uh, and I knew in the back of my head for this had been building up for some time and I wanted to do something to help and be there for you, particularly during the lockdown. But I couldn't see you anymore. Like we couldn't go to the gym, we couldn't hang out, we couldn't yeah. just play PlayStation and just talk shit. Um, and so all we're left with is like Zoom calls and house party calls and like house FaceTime. Party, yeah, yeah, house party was terrible. Yeah. That was a big week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they had their time. They yeah. had their time. Yeah. And then that was kind of awful, the fact that you could just like jump into someone's like conversation. Like yeah. so fucking weird. It was so sus. Um, so sus. And the conversations that you'd end up having on house party, you'd like try to play the game and your Wi-Fi would disconnect and yeah. like, it was just shit. And then like when you're on a FaceTime call and you're on like a Zoom like birthday party, like you don't know when to talk, you don't know when to like. Oh, they were awful. Like we did so time. many of them. Like we had to because that was the only way to connect. Like I remember just planning, people planning like Zoom calls, actually really sad. Yeah. Really sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like it, it was all we had done. though. Yeah. yeah, it was all we had. I think it like, highlighted when we went into the lockdown last year if there were no Zoom calls. Like everyone oh, had just everyone got to a point of going, fuck that, there's no chance yeah, of doing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I did one during that lockdown and we're like, fuck off, like. Yeah, and it was yeah. so awkward, like you're just sitting in your room, like drinking 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like making your own cocktails at home. Yeah, like, literally, oh. I had this little setup, like, because I wasn't living at home at the time, we're living in an apartment because the house getting renovated. And my room was so small. And I literally bought like a made like a makeshift table and like had my laptop and I was like drinking my wine like this. And yeah. it was so awful. <laughs> and then like the call ends and I'm like, now I'm sad. Yeah. Now I'm sad. <laughs> the best I'm- parts were when I had to create excuses to jump out of the Zoom call because yes. I felt so awkward. Oh, sorry, man, I've left my laundry on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I do no, I do, I would just cut out. I would, yeah. just, I would just leave. I would yeah, just close yeah, the yeah. laptop and I'm like, I have nothing to say. Like, yeah, I was one of the ones who um, just turned the screen off so no one could see me. Yeah. Like, that was, that was <laughs> yeah. it. And I'd just leave my phone and my AirPods yeah. and I'd just listen and just not get involved. That's literally With- me. I'm just playing Call of Duty. Like, why everyone's on a Zoom call. <laughs> what else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? Yeah. So how did you guys go, yeah. let's start this kind of thing and then when do you get the other boys involved? Yeah, so if you can imagine, like, all those FaceTimes were happening and all those Zoom calls were happening and then... Connor and I have this conversation where you've had a really rough time and I'm like, this just isn't cutting it. Like, I'm not there around really my mates, not just you, but everyone. Can I cut in for a second? Go ahead, just yeah. on my um, my version of those events. Was, yeah. um, I called Jerome. It was actually the day after I'd attempted to take my yeah. own life. So that was the when I was drinking a lot and... It, it was a random spiral. I was I was fine, yeah. in quotation marks. Like, I was okay. And then I sat down to watch The Office. And then I got myself a glass of whiskey for no apparent re- reason. It was a Tuesday. And then I finished the whole bottle. And then I finished another bottle. And then I was in an absolute spiral. So I think I got to work, like got to sleep at 7 a.m. Um, after my nan randomly called me out of nowhere at 5 a.m. in the morning, which is super odd. Um, and she was the one who actually talked me through it, and then I called Jerome to let him know um, what had happened, and this is kind of yeah. what led to <clears throat> that going ahead. And so then I'm like, I'm on the other side of this, and usually my solution to this is just be there for you and listen and, and find a way just to keep be in contact present. with you, be present, yeah, talk, listen. Um, but you can't do that over a FaceTime, and it's not the same on a Zoom call, and it's not the same as like being with a mate you know, embracing them and telling them, like, you're there, I'm listening, I'm here with you. Yeah. So uh, the I, I put down a challenge to, to Connor and to me and the, the challenge was pretty simple. It was, I, like, I, at that time as well, I was going through some stuff as well. Um, I was coming off the back of a breakup as well and um, I'm, a, I'm a runner and I had a big athletics event and it just got cancelled and I just stopped running as well. And I was like, here's what we're going to do, Con. I'm going to put fit, fit down $50 I'm going to put down some goals as well. And my goals are going to be that I'm going to run four times a week. And if I can't complete my goal, you're going to get my money. And you're going to put down some goals and you're going to put up some money as well. And if you can't complete your goals, I get your money. And at the end of the day, I know Connor pretty well. I know that he's competitive as fuck. (laughs) And I know that I'm competitive and I know that he's never going to lose. Like Mm. I've played, I play basketball. He does not play basketball. I taught him how to shoot a basketball. Now he beats me in basketball. So I know this guy's competitive and I know that, Hopefully, he's going to want to take on to this. And at the end of every week, for the next four weeks, we're going to catch up and we're going to, we're going to talk just about goals. Like, we're not going to talk about COVID. We're not going to talk about the lockdowns. We're just going yeah. to talk about like, what's going on. Like, yeah. how would you go with your running or, yeah. and your meditation? And I remember yours. It was like meditate, I think, a few times a week. And run three and run, times a week. Run three Ks, I think, as well. Yeah. And then this was like the start of Zoop. It was just basically off the back of this mini challenge. It's a well-being challenge, but it's also accountability and getting your mates involved. Mm. 
and also just like talking about stuff that isn't related to just other parts of your life. Yeah. Actually talking about your health and what you're doing. Yeah. And so then we get Toddy involved, who's now a big component of Zoop as well, and he's like, fellas, I want to get in, in on this. Yeah. I want to start doing something good for myself. Because we actually spoke to Toddy about being a referee. Yeah. So we had a referee who would make sure that we were accountable to yeah. do the goals. Yeah. And then he was like, I don't want to be a referee. I, I want, want to actually well. get in. Yeah. yeah. And so then we expanded to the rest of the guys from our uni. And if you recall, like, we were seeing some of the boys maybe every so often, but not really having deep conversations. There's always talk about work and like what other shit's going on, but never really about how's health. your health going or, yeah. and not even mental health, just health. Like yeah. how are things with you? Yeah. And so then before you knew it, we had nine guys doing this little challenge of ours. Everyone put down $50 and we're saving the money. So every time you don't completely go, you add in an extra $50 into this kitty. Yeah. And by the end of four weeks, we've got $450. Mm. And then we run it back and then we change our goals. And every week that we're reflecting, we're having a conversation on our Zoom, but there's no awkwardness. We're just going around a circle and we're talking about mm. how did your running go and what's good about the running. And suddenly there's some gratefulness in there and people are learning about Spanish and you're learning about what other people are doing, what their passion is, and you're actually having a meaningful conversation mm. as opposed to us just talking about shallow thing yeah and like what COVID is doing and what lockdown is doing and just getting a beer and getting pissed yeah and then having a hangover the next day not remembering what you've just the conversations that you've had this was a Friday night every Friday catching up with you with your mates and really learning about who they are Mm. and like getting to know who they actually are yeah which we'd never done Mm. and uh, despite being as disconnected as ever not being able to see each other I think we were as connected as ever because those conversations would end up becoming, okay, Jerome didn't complete his goal. And then I would end up talking about, fellas, I just had a really tough week. Yeah. Like work is shitting me. I'm getting like screwed over here and there and I just don't have time for running. Yeah. And then that conversation would end up just naturally forming into how am I actually feeling and the conversations that you'd have between nine guys who don't often talk about our feelings. Mm. I think we're all pretty macho in that sense. Yeah. We end up talking about Connor's issues and, and we all kind of knew that Connor had some issues, like the wider group did, but then you actually start talking about it and you're the first person to actually open up and we talk heaps about vulnerability on Zoop and mm. the, the power of it and you were the flagship of all of that. Mm. I'd, I'd love for you to talk about the first time that you kind of opened up to the boys. I can't remember. Like, what was the time? <laughs> it, was, it was during one of the Zoop calls. I remember this. Um, and you can spark his memory. Yeah, hopefully it yeah. sparks your memory. Um, in a nine-male group group chat, there's usually some back talk and, like, shit talking. Like, you say something stupid, the boys will call you out on it. It's just classic gags. But then when someone actually starts to talk about their vulnerabilities, everyone realises that this is a moment in time that you need to listen and stop mm. talking. And we, I remember this so clearly because you started talking about how you're actually feeling. And it wasn't something that you'd done previously to the group. Uh, you'd done it with me and maybe one of the other boys, but not into nine guys. Um, and you start opening up and then suddenly everyone else starts opening up about how they're actually feeling and the issues that they're actually mm. been going through. And it starts this domino effect of vulnerability breeds more vulnerability. Mm. Um, 100%. And then the, the massive takeaway was that suddenly we weren't just talking about sport and other shit. We were actually just caring about each other. Yeah. And this was a, such an important stepping stone because I think it made us realise that 
we're onto something. And the connections that we're having now are so much more special now because I don't have my guard up anymore. I don't have to act like I'm an alpha or I'm like, you know, really, really good at this thing. I also am struggling and we can talk about it pretty openly. Yeah, I think what was nice about that, that that wasn't the first Zoop catch-up. Mm. And that conversation where I called Jerome wasn't the first time I'd brought it up or we'd had a conversation about my mm. mental ill health. It, what it was was Jerome's ability to listen for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and just be there for weeks and weeks and weeks automatically makes you start to just kind of unwrap and unload. So even Jerome, like before saying, oh, fuck, why am I saying all this stupid shit? Well, him empathising and him just saying a little tiny thing was him being vulnerable. Yeah. Was him just showing a little bit of vulnerability which showed me it was okay to be a little bit vulnerable. Mm. And we we didn't know at the time, but I think we were trading vulnerability for vulnerability. And that's <clears> what <throat> happened in the Zoop chats was that wasn't the first time, but as you kept going, someone would say, I've had a shit week this week. Another person would say, I've had a shit week this week or I've had a great week this week. So then you weren't only celebrating the wins, you were also celebrating other people's losses and going, it's okay, like we'll just do it next week. Like just don't lose 50 next week, you'll be fine. And that's just how it cultivated into me kind of having the courage to go, all right, I'm going to fucking say this in front of nine blokes who I would never, ever do this for. Mm. Yeah. And so then, uh, sorry, I'll just, I'll tie it all up. So what we found from this, and so this Zoop challenge, this is the challenge that really starts and kicks us off, is that there's some components here that there's like, it's part of this, the ingredients to help people, right? It's the talking about actually how you're going, creating actionable well-being and doing some habits that you're held accountable with your mates and actually talking about that stuff instead of keeping it private. And then coming together and connecting in real and meaningful moments really help open up that conversation because I don't think we get to that conversation with you. We don't get to the conversations with the rest of the boys opening up about how they're feeling until we kind of just nudge into the right direction. And so those recipes is what we're taking Zoop to become now because now we're out of a lockdown. But what we found was we did the same type of challenge with our friends and our families. Suddenly my mum's talking about you know, how her work's going, which she never really talks about. Dad's talking about how, how like, grateful he is to start walking the dog around during the midst of a lockdown. Like, mm. I'm never going to hear that from my dad. What, like, mm. what is going on? My brother's doing meditation and gratefulness and we're actually talking about how he's actually feeling. Yeah. He's five years older than me. That's so weird. This isn't mm. a normal conversation to have. And so we kind of realised we're onto something um, and we want to impact mental ill health statistics because they're rampant. And so we believe that some of the concepts that we took from that Zoop challenge, the initial challenge, vulnerability, connecting with real meaningful moments and engaging in self-care and self-love behaviours is the key to helping people. Mm. Uh, And that's what we're trying to create now with Zoop. And that challenge that you described with the $50, I absolutely love that because it reaffirms because no one loves to lose money. So it's such a like affirmation in the sense that if I don't complete these challenges and I don't open up then I'm going to lose my money and it, and it, even though like consciously you think that like I don't want to lose my money but subconsciously that's like reaffirming your brain it's okay to open up and it's okay to talk so I, I absolutely I love that so much but 
Thank you for sharing first and foremost. But I wanted to ask before this, because I know you guys met through uni and obviously the lockdowns had that effect where you guys felt like we need to connect and probably without them you probably wouldn't have done it. So I I love that in a sense it did bring benefits. But I wanted to ask, what about before you guys met, like your own individual experiences with – in particular men's mental health and how you were treated maybe by school, family or friends. Like as you said, you wouldn't go to nine guys and talk about how you're feeling. So how did you guys feel when you were younger? One of you guys can start. Yeah, um, mental health was something that like as a kid I knew nothing about. Um, I think I was sheltered from... It's, it's actually interesting. I had a conversation with my nan yesterday um, about – she just brought it up just flippantly about our family having a history of mental health issues, which I found out about yesterday. Like my great-grandma being taken away in a straitjacket. Oh, God. Um, like back – this is obviously a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Being hospitalised for mental health. Um, her brother being hospitalised for mental health. Um, my mum with mental health that I – never knew about my dad with mental health that I never knew about. And then I thought I was the only mm. one. Like it was this this thing that if someone could have had that conversation, yeah, I would have known that it was okay or that it was yeah. somewhat normal or exactly. there was a, somewhat a, a reason for it. But like where I'm from, I'm from Liverpool in the UK and it is a place where men are men. Mm. Men don't talk about feelings. Um, I hate it <laughs> It, it's just one of those. It's one of those places where the people are so proud, and I love where I'm from. But they are so proud, and they just do not want to talk about emotion. It's getting better. Well, would it you is say that's better. ego, though, rather than pride? No, I mean like proud of where they're from. Oh, okay. Um, they just give because we're from a place that is very poverty stricken. Okay. It is. There's a lot of problems going on. Yeah. So, rather than address them. Just hire them and get on with your day. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like it's... Yeah, there's too many problems to address. Too many problems to address, so we yeah. fight it with humour. Yeah, okay. So if there's an issue, you use humour. Yeah. Humour's your way of getting out of it. Okay. So all I was brought up with was just be funny. Mm. Like your job is to be funny, be liked, be kind, mm. and that's it. But that's why you struggled so much with losing your identity. Yeah, I had no and idea. Losing, and losing that purpose of being the funny guy, and that's why... It, Deteriorated because yeah. your, per, your, per, your identity was being that funny guy. But um, how did how did your conversation with your grandma go? Yeah, she's great. Like my nan is someone who's like like she's like you know it's just okay. Like I watched this happen, and I watched my mum get taken um, to hospital weekly, and she's like, and it's affected me. Mm. And it's an interesting point that my nan's turned seventy in a couple of weeks, and. She's starting to open up to me about she lost her husband mm. a couple of years ago and she lost her daughter, who was my auntie, in the year before and her brother the next day after oh my, my auntie. God. So, like, she's had a rough run and then being yeah. stuck in a pandemic with yeah. no family because we're here. Yeah. And now she's got the ability to say, Connor, you know, um, I've felt depression. Like, I've mm. felt anxious. Mm. I, I have felt what you have felt. Like, I empathise with what you're feeling mm. and it's okay. Mm. And we can now have this raw conversation which we never would have had 10 years ago or five years ago. Mm. Um, so it's a beautiful thing, or even my mum will now check in. My dad will check in. 
which is the big one because mm. my dad yeah my dad and I've never ever had a proper conversation until I openly spoke about my mental health yeah um and that's the way that kind of men's mental health work especially probably his generation they never talked about it meanwhile our generation yeah mm. and now we're we're giving them the tools mm. to actually talk about yeah. it yeah so it's not just like we're passing it on to younger generations yeah. we're actually showing the older generations that it's okay yeah um and it's good i think like now we're getting to even someone of your age and so on the kids coming up younger i think my sister she's a lot more aware and my sister she's a counselor and she's she's happy with me saying this but um she sees a counselor and yeah she she's happy with that she wants to be a psychologist like she wants to delve into mental health whereas i never at 18 or 17 i didn't know that Mm. um and i think growing up like i wish i would have known it but i also i don't wish that i did for the fact that i've learned so much from the adversity of not knowing and finding out for myself what it is and going through the struggle in order to get where I am now. I think there's a beauty in that, that I can't change the past and I can't predict the future, but in the present right now, I can be grateful for what's happened over the last few years to know that I've fought through that adversity and now I can give something to other people. Mm. And I completely understand and relate to that in the sense that although adversity is very difficult, like when you get to that sweet spot, when you're like, I'm grateful that I'm here and I went through that, it's very good and a very good feeling but how did you think did you grow up here i moved here when i was 14 okay so not that old no so i went through high school here oh okay yeah so high school which i went to a school that was very academic focused okay um mckinnon yeah um i loved the school and don't get me wrong i loved the people um but their focus was mainly on how high can you achieve? Mm. And like, what about what about for you? Was your school similar? Yeah, so I went to, I went to De La Salle. Um, it's an all boys school. Um, oh God! <laughs> but like gen- genuinely, an, uh, an amazing school with some amazing people, and I, I'm so I'm really grateful for the education and the experiences that I had there. In regards to mental health and education and mental health at that school, though, this isn't a. There's no flack on them by any mm. means. I just don't think it was prevalent. I think when I was growing up, like the first time I heard about mental ill health and issues around generalised anxiety disorders and depression was probably at uni when we started learning Jesus. about it. And so I think it was always – it's not, I don't think it was ever really swept under a rug. It was just never, never, spoken, never about. spoken about. Yeah. And I don't think – it's nearly kind of like ignorance. Like we just never really knew yeah. about it. It is ignorance. And so then we would grow up maybe feeling some of these – these feelings or the, the telltale signs of anxiety or depression, but you wouldn't have the vocabulary to actually talk about it because you never learnt about it. Um, you could talk about your injury, your physical injuries, and you could talk to a physiotherapist about it because you could you know, establish how to describe it, but you weren't necessarily equipped with the vocabulary to talk about your mental ill health. And I think that's just because we, I didn't even know what, it, what was going on. Um, and so it's, I think it's a lot better now. The, the awareness around these issues is so much more at the forefront. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited for the future. But, yeah, from, from my perspective, like growing up, yeah, it was just never a thing. And, well, and for you, very similar? Yeah, like didn't know about it. And I know there was one girl in my year level who had a mental illness um, and 
she was so alienated and the stigma surrounding it was incredible. Like it was people would talk negatively about it. Like uh, she had anorexia nervosa and the people would, you know, the conversation would be, why doesn't she just eat? And you, you kind of think back to that and you go, wow. And I remember seeing someone post on, on Facebook back at the time of uh, just like, remember when you used to do statuses yeah, back in yeah. the day? And yes. like the status was... <clears throat> right for um, a right girl. Yeah, <laughs> like for a TBH. And the, the status was um, suicide is selfish. Oh, God. Wait, uh, someone at school wrote that. Yeah, and oh. I remember I was in like year nine or ten. But I also remember agreeing with it. Because that was what yeah. I was taught. Yeah. I was taught... Me too when I was young. I agree with it. suicide was selfish. Yeah. And because I didn't understand it, I used to have the thought process of, why can't you just be happy? Mm. Like, I'm happy. Why can't mm. you just be happy? Mm. Until I experienced it and I went, holy shit, this is different. <laughs> so many like, people say that to me. So many people say that to me. They're like, I just thought it was nothing and I just thought that, like... It was kind of all in your head and then I felt it and I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is – I can't control this. Yeah, it's different and you, you kind of anticipate or you, you, when you're thinking someone else is feeling this, you go, oh, they're just a bit sad. Like, I've been sad before. Like, it goes away within an hour and then I'm pretty back to normal. Um, and it's comp- it's just not like that. It's, it's something that takes you from within. And the fact that even at 15 and 16 I thought it was selfish and I thought that – um, it, you could just be happy, just showed a lack of understanding and a lack of education around a topic. And I think that's what we're trying to do. If we can educate, empower, um, and give people tips on not that's going to fix them, but just things that may benefit them, mm. I think that's what we can do. And how was that experience within? So you'd say within high school, you probably didn't. And I, I don't like to say, like, feel that you had mental health issues because I feel like you don't know. If you're not, as, as I said, if you're ignorant about it, you really don't know what's up. Like, you really don't know what you're going through. Mm. But then when you educate yourself about it, you're like, oh, that's what that was. Yeah. And that happens to a lot of people in my environment or extended environment that they'll talk to me about something and be like, it's so weird. I just, like, can't get out of bed. I can't sleep properly. And I'm like, girl, <laughs> that sounds like depression. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, sounds like you're a little depressed. I'm like, it's okay, we can deal with it. But like, that's what it is. Like, that's that should like when you got a sore throat or you've got a runny nose, you're back. Like, I got the flu. Yeah, but now COVID. COVID. But yeah. like, whatever. <laughs> you would be aware of it, but like a lot of people aren't aware of those signs. And as you said before, there's a difference between being sad and being depressed in the sense that everyone can get sad and. You get sad over a breakup. You get sad over fucking McDonald's doesn't in the ice cream machine's broken, like whatever. But depression, as you said, takes you within and really just deteriorates you from the inside and stops a lot of things. Like when you're sad, you're sad for a day. Depression can last a long time. I think the point you just brought up was great about when you think back to certain scenarios in your life when you didn't understand. Do you? like make that connection of were you feeling something that was greater than sadness or were you feeling something that maybe you just didn't have the vernacular to describe it. Mm. And that is so true. I think back to when I was 16, 17 and there was things happening Mm. in my life that um, I went and spoke to my teacher about and I didn't know how to describe it, but it wasn't me. Mm. And 
It was me and one of my mates. Something had happened in his life and something had happened in my life. And we would be outside of class crying, just me and him, at six, 16, 17. Like, just we couldn't cope, but we had no idea why. That's crazy. Like, we were just in this, and like, two 16, 17-year-old boys just crying together in school. Um, and two of the boys that would not have liked to have been seen crying yeah. together mm. was, was happening. Mm. But even, like, and my teachers were great, but maybe they just weren't educated on what, what yeah. we could have done because flippantly they said, go see the school counsellor. But what I needed was them to go, we are going to take you to the school counsellor and we're going to have a chat about this. Um, whereas it was just like, oh, just make an appointment. I was never going to do that as a 16-year-old. No way. Never, ever going to do that. Mm. Um, Especially I, a 16-year-old boy. I was like, no, that I'm weak. Why am I going to talk to someone about my problems? Mm. No, I can get through this. Like, mm. I'm invincible. Like, there's no issue with me. Like, you tell me there's something wrong with me. That, that was my thought process. But I, I wish I would have kind of made that appointment with the counsellor earlier. But I think nowadays there's a much better mental health first aid plan of getting kids into the right hands early. Um, or well, I hope there is. I am very, unfortunately, pessimistic about the current stance really? of mental health services. But I'm not going to go into that that tangent because it's another thing. But it is it definitely is getting better, but there's still a lot of work to do. Mm. Like obviously the stigma is a different thing, but in the sense of resources, it's still lacking. And that's for a numerous amount of reasons. But the thing is if the stigma breaks down, then the resources don't need to be bigger because people feel as if they can be open about it in a sense that, as you said, like if you felt like, you having mental health issues at a young age was okay, like your family talked about it or your environment talked about it, you might have coped a bit better. Like I know if I was younger and it wasn't so taboo in my family or in my friendship group, I wouldn't have felt like I'm crazy or I wouldn't hit it more. But now that I know it's like okay, then I don't hide it and I cope a lot better personally. That's my, that's my stance. But tell me what about after school, so into uni, and I want your stance as well. Mm. How did and you can go back into high school as well? How did you think the like the men's conversations went? They just weren't the had. male conversations. <laughs> uh, to, to be frank, like so before us opening up, Connor, you and I, and and the rest of our group, before that, there just weren't those conversations. And what about what about at school at your high school because we didn't talk about that. Mm. What do you think was was there any conversation via I know you said you had some good experiences with your teachers, but was there any educational side? Not that I can really remember. Um I, I don't uh, there might have been the occasional like guest speaker comes in and they talk about a, a whole bunch of and a whole range of things, but there isn't one thing that really comes to mind and I think that's telling in the sense that if I can't remember that there was a oh. moment in time that we learned about, you know, difficulties around um, to, or toolkits around mental ill health, then that's a telling sign because it means I probably didn't learn it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then going into uni as well, yeah, like the exact same thing. So then I don't think those conversations that end up having, uh, sorry, uh, ended up have with other males because we don't have the vocabulary to talk about it. Mm. And it it's... It's like the, the problem that you can't see is the one that you can't talk about because you don't know it's a thing. 
until someone very close to you goes through through it. And then you're like, well, what do I do? And so then say, for instance, Connor, like you start having some issues and, and we recognise something's amiss, but I don't know what to do about it because I've never really learnt what do I do about that. Yeah. I've learnt first aid and I've learnt how to tape someone's ankle in physio, but I don't <laughs> know how to... you take mine, I'm in pain. I got you. I got you. <laughs> um, Easy. Yeah. always in pain. Um, but yeah, to, to answer that frankly, like, yeah, those conversations weren't really had. Mm. And I, my hope through this podcast and, and what we're doing at Zoop is that maybe those conversations are easier to have because we can talk about it a little bit easier. And if we can talk about it, maybe that voice comes out and maybe that person that's hiding and bottling it all up and doesn't understand what they're feeling, maybe they can just talk about it and we mm. can openly listen and empathise and just be there. That's my hope. Because it, it definitely goes in line with what you're doing with what I'm doing because you're aiming to educate. I'm aiming to educate in the sense that it's more like very brutally honest about the, I want to say dirty, but like the the horrible, horrendous parts of mental health because mm. I feel like there's always that, oh, she's just a little depressed. But in reality, as you said, like you talked about your journey with your depression and how brutal that was and how actually dark it was, like the drinking and stuff like that. It's not like you just laid in bed all day and did nothing. Like there was also like some pretty dark and suicidal thoughts that I feel like in the climate of mental health now it's quite shallow. Mm. That's why I think you guys are doing an amazing job as well as talking about the important things like habit making and habit tracking and and all those things because those have been super beneficial for me and probably the things that have saved my life, to be honest. As much as medication and therapy has been super helpful, like all those habits and I tell that to everyone, routine is so important. You guys are really good at talking about routine. But um, what are are your plans now? Like tell me – what the future holds for Zoop, as well as your own personal goals yeah, sure. um, separately on what your own mental health journey wants to look like. Yeah. Um, from a, I guess from a personal standpoint, maybe we'll start personally. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I'm like from a mental health standpoint, uh, the, the questions that I've been asking myself is around like who I am as a person and my purpose and how do I execute on being the best person that I want to be? Because I, I find that finding meaning within that is really, really important. You've got to know yourself first before outwardly giving to other people. Um, and that's a journey that I reckon I've been on over the past couple of years in, in terms of really establishing who I am as a person and then what routine and what habits come with that. So from that journey itself, the, the questions that I'm asking myself this year is, um, I think I answered the questions of like, who am I and what's my story? This is like the Ben Crow stuff. I think I was able to answer that last year and this year I'm, I'm kind of on the journey of finding out like what's my purpose and how do I impact the people around me, not only from a physio standpoint but also through Zoop and just who I am as a person, how do I impact a room? Um, and then the question after that for me to answer and figure out on this, on this journey of mine is um, how do I do that and how yeah. do I establish – you know, if that's my purpose, how do I end up actually engaging those people and, and making a difference in other people's lives? Um, You're definitely on the way. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think in terms of dealing with mental ill health, I, I don't have – I occasionally have some anxiety, but nothing that has really overwhelmed me to an extent where I've had to seek more help outside of, like, my best mates and my family. 
So I'm really lucky in that sense. So with that in mind, because I've got kind of got a good hold of that, now it's just finding myself and keep, I don't know, figuring out who I am and building on that, I think, yeah. Amazing. And and it's it's also, you know, in a sense, so important to hear from someone who hasn't really gone through those dark moments, those dark, dark moments that Connor was talking about because it's important to see that even though you can't, you haven't extremely struggled with it, you're still aware and you're still educated about everything and you're still there to help for other people as well as know that if you get in that dark spot, you have those tools. Yeah. Uh, Like I have gone through some nowhere near as dark as some other people, but um, like any other breakup, you, you go through, um, some depressive states and feelings of anxiety for you know an extended period of time, and it's not just sadness; it's like the feeling of grief and the feeling oh, of definitely grief of like really just losing someone that you really love, um, and then having the anxiousness about what happens next and the depression about what had happened before. Um, and I think there was a few things that really helped me. The first was my friends and routine, family, doing the things that I know that made up who I was. But then the second thing, and this is the reason that I said that this was like the goal of what's coming up for me in the future about finding out my identity and and really building on that was the strong sense of self of I remember who I am as a person before I had these feelings. Mm. I remember the type of person that I wanted to be and the type of person that I am. And so I think establishing that really strong sense of self and identity of this is the person that I want to be and I think that I am and I want to come back to that, I think is really, really important. So, yeah, it, albeit I haven't had like really dark, depressive, ultra deep states, I, I think some of those things have been really important to me to to keep me on track, yeah. And I think that's what Jerome did really well with me is not only, like you said, he's been on this journey of finding out who he is, but his ability to know who I was was something that not a lot of people have those skills but his ability to know who I was in order to notice that I wasn't quite right, but also to bring me back to the person I was and remind me of that person and remind me of, yes, I am competitive. Yes, I like running. Yes, these are all the things I like to do. On the surface. But I didn't know I didn't know where to start. Mm. So Jerome took something that I was mm. and a part of who I was and put it over here and said, we are going to do this mm. without telling me this is because of who I am. Mm. And... I think the role of someone in a friendship group um, to notice those things and look, there's a lot of pressure around mental health and there is no pressure on someone to save someone but there was Jerome's ability to take that little nugget of information because you've got information about your friends that I wouldn't have Mm. and I've got information about my friends that you wouldn't have and to know the little things that they do and they like and just to kind of push them in that direction Mm. gently was was incredible for me. Mm. because when you get in those states of depression and, and you're deteriorating mental health, you forget who you are. Well, you, you think you're what, that person. Yeah, you, you th- think you're a depressed yeah. bean. So <laughs> at least I do. But to get reminded of the things that like brought you up and, and who you are and what you love, it's so important because you stop loving those things. Mm. So to have a friend like that to kind of push you and, hey, this is what – who you are, this is what you love, and then also get down to that deeper level of like this is what your morals are as well as these are the things you enjoy. That's what I meant by like on the surface. He could see that you were not doing well 
but then also went back and was like, hey, these are the things deep down that you love. Let's work together and let's bring you back to that place. But what are your goals for the next year? And then we can talk about Zoot. Yeah, sure. And your goals together. Yeah, my goals for this year are I want to practice what we preach. I want to really... Don't talk to me about that. (laughs) I have have a disease. I literally literally think I'm like Dr. Phil, smartest bitch ever. (laughs) And then they're like, girl, you just told me the same thing that you need to tell yourself. And I'm like, that's not okay, I can't do it. Funny, I think it, I think it's easy to to, to say all this. Easier stuff. said than done. And then I think this year my goal is to find my routine. I want to find my most efficient routine that makes um, me feel like I am living my purpose. Mm. Um, like Jerome said, I've spent a lot of time over the last year working out what my purpose is. Um, coming to that conclusion of my purpose being, I want to connect people through kindness. I want to live that and I want to basically I want to live that and I don't want to delve into the past this year because I've been living in the past for so long and I think right now is about like who am I today something Jerome's done for the last couple of years who am I today and where am I going to go I've lived in what's my story that's what I've been living in and I know my story very well it's now about okay that story doesn't define me yes it's a part of me but what I'm, what's the path I'm going to create now? So we had Dr. G on the podcast and he's going to be a mentor for me this year. And in the middle of this year, I'm starting my Masters of Counselling. Um, Woohoo! Which will be really cool. It's amazing. So now I'm starting to formulate a path which is me. Like uh, I think this is my purpose. And whenever I talk about mental health or we talk about Zoop, something inside me goes, this is it. Like this is what you've got to go with. Um, it's not saying I don't love physio, um, it kind of is, but it's it's that thing of it doesn't excite me like it does exciting, yeah. like with mental health and helping other people in a Same way that is just I don't know I can't explain how good it feels. Mm. So that's my goal this year: is create a path, uh, create my present, and enjoy my present. I absolutely love the thing you said about the past, like living in the past, knowing your story. And it's very hard to let go of the past when you do something that involves your past. Mm -hmm. So, like, for both of us, it's kind of like this is – our past has created this, but where do we want to go in the future? And also, congratulations on your Master's of Counselling. I'm so excited. Well, Dr. G actually said something to me on the phone and I called him about being my mentor. Yeah. And he was like, look, the difference between Eastern and Western medicine, he was like, you know – what we're stuck in in society at the moment is that with mental health and with growth, um, in in our world, what we look at is, if you, let's say you get shot by an arrow, mm. we want to know who shot the arrow, where'd they shoot it from, why did they shoot you? He's like, what we're going to do is we're going to take the arrow out. So it's not about delving into all that stuff in the past. It's about taking that arrow out so you can move forward. Mm. And I think that's that's where I'm at for this year that's great that's a really great analogy and actually really relevant to me and now i'm gonna go cry after this um, <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> but um we'll end it on your plans for zoop i don't know you've told me a little bit but you say what you want to say you tell what you want to tell yeah sure so zoop at the end of the day and going back to the challenge and we talked about the parts of that the ingredients that we believe are like fundamental truths to help people is like vulnerability, sharing meaningful moments between mates and 
engaging and empowering people to take care of them themselves through like little nudges and learning about health and well-being at the end of the day zoop is there to help people i guess reach their potential in, in a sense to help them empower and engage themselves so that they are looking after themselves and they're establishing some form of maybe a habit or a practice that they can take um, and that could be anything we just have the tools to help them get there and then normalizing vulnerability and then finally trying to create meaningful moments between mates because those connections are basically so so vital for us to to get through any adversity whether that be physical or mental so I guess planned for this year, we're coming out with a particular product, which is these meaningful moment cards. They're in the pipeline and they're going to help. I guess they're a bit of a game in which you pick out a card. They've got some questions or a prompt that it's not forced vulnerability, but it prompts some deeper conversations between mates. You know, when you hang out with a person for so long, you nearly know everything about them until a question comes up and you're like, I didn't know that about you. And I, I didn't realise that we could be vulnerable in that way. So we're hoping to bring that out in, in, uh, in the next few months. And then we've got our 9 for 9 challenge. 9 for 9 was run last year, which is basically nine minutes in the cold water for the nine Australian lives that are lost to suicide every year, on, sorry, every day on average. Um, and we're running that in August. We've got some really, really big plans to raise money again for some mental health organisations. Last year we raised $36,000. This year we're, we're aiming for a much bigger than that um, and we'll be running events to not only draw awareness to that stat but also draw awareness to self-care and self-love um, habits and, and things that people can be doing for themselves and then also have fun at beaches and get cold in the middle of August um, to I'm do scared. cold water dips. Yeah, we need you down there 100%. <laughs> um, oh God. And then throughout the year we're, we're aiming to potentially put down some retreats um, and some workshops as well. Uh, and as Connor there. said, practice what we preach, which means mm. getting back on the podcast mics. And we'll, we've got some really amazing interviews lined up at, at our pod. And yeah, so it's really, really exciting. So we're going to continue to educate and empower people to, to engage in some self-love. Amazing. And do you want to say anything else? No, I think that's a pretty beautiful way to um, to wrap it up. Hey, I you think. did a great job. Yeah. <laughs> thank yeah, you guys so, 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 so much. It's thank been you for having us. Always yeah, and any time. So um, I will put all your links in the description and also when I post, um, head over to their Instagram. I'll put it, I'll link it. Thank you guys for everything and can't wait to see everything that happens this year. I can't wait for the cards. Can't wait for the potties. I'm scared of the water. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited. All right. See you guys next time. Bye. Thanks. Thanks.